0: Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Today on the Indo Daily, DJ Kerry and the AIB debt write down. He's one of Ireland's best known GAA figures. What a start that is!
0: DJ Carey with yet another championship goal, and only three minutes are gone. DJ Carey's in the clear! Oh, it's a great goal!
1: But Kilkenny's nine time All Star player and hurling legend, DJ Carey, is making the headlines for all the wrong reasons. But well, we're going to turn first today to the story broken by RT Primetime reporter Paul Murphy last night. Since RT Primetime published how Carey secured a settlement with AIB Bank in 2017, where 99% of a debt of over 9.5 million was written down, a growing community of people across the country are trying to understand how such a golden debt write-down deal was secured. We seem to have one rule for for some ordinary uh, families and then a different rule for others and I think we need to look into why this is the case and why it's happened. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today I'm joined by public affairs correspondent with the Irish Independent, Amy Malloy, to look at what we know about DJ Kerry, his popularity and indeed sporting achievements. And Legal Affairs Editor Shane Phelan to find out more on how debt write-downs work. Shane, you're no stranger to personal insolvency cases or indeed debt settlement arrangements in your capacity as Legal Editor. But can you explain to me what is going on with this particular case?
0: So... DJ Carey, one of Ireland's best-known uh, GA figures, uh, a hurling legend, he secured a uh, settlement with AIB in 2017 over a debt of 9.5 million, and it was written down all the way to just uh, 60,000. So this meant that Mr. Carey, he, he only had to pay 0.63% of the original amount owed to the bank, which, lest we forget, is, is majority state-owned. We uh, know that this debt kind of dated back to, I suppose, the period from the, uh, the, 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 the big recession. Uh, uh, the bank secured a high court judgment against him for $9.5 million in, in May 2011. The uh, debt mostly arose from a loan Mr. Carey uh, secured on uh, properties in Mount J- Juliet in Kilkenny and uh, the K Club in, in Kildare but a really, really big write-down.
1: Yeah, and naturally, there was a, a lot of public outcry over this particular story when it broke last Friday uh, over the weekend. Lots of people very active on Twitter and other social media platforms asking how somebody can have a 99% write down from a bank. And these, you know, a lot, a lot of stories were we're talking about people who had difficulty paying back a mortgage, found themselves um, thrown to the wolves, the vulture funds, rather than have something like a, a write down available to them. But you're telling me there is a system in place.
0: There is. Um, I suppose it's the old saying that uh, if, you, if you owe the bank a couple of hundred euros, it's it's your problem. But if you owe them a couple of hundred million or uh, a very large sum, it's their problem. The reality is, Siobhan, that debt deals are being cut all the time. We tend to only really hear about the ones which reach the courts. There's various mechanisms uh, through which you know people who owe lots of money to, to banks can seek debt forgiveness. Uh, via the courts. But the vast majority of these debt deals are actually being done in private. We never hear about them at all. DJ Kerry's one is is one that took place in private. So it's, it's actually unusual that this case uh, is now uh, out there in the open. I suppose when you think about it, you can't get blood from a stone. So if a bank is confronted with uh, a situation where somebody owes them quite a lot of money and there is very, very little prospect of that money ever being repaid. Then you're into a scenario of, well, what can we get back? Uh, quite often, the yardstick I- that is used is, well, can we cut a deal which will get us more than we would achieve if we were to bankrupt this person? It's quite often, it's, it's down to simple maths. Um, if that person can stump up uh, some sort of gesture some sort of payment which is what seems to have happened here with DJ Kerry with 60,000 being paid then they can pay up whatever they can and move on and the debt is gone Uh, but even if somebody is uh, a complete busted flush in terms of their finances there is that expectation that they would have to contribute something and that it would have to be reasonably substantial uh, when I say reason is just substantial, I mean reason substantial to the man on the street. So um he he did have to pay sixty thousand. that's a lot of money to you or I, I think,
1: Amy. for so many listening, D j. Carey is a household name because of his hurling credentials and his sporting achievements. Can you remind us a little bit about who he is?
2: DJ Carey is widely considered one of the greatest hurlers, if not the greatest hurler of all time. I think if you asked many GA fans who'd be their top five hurlers, he'd feature on many people's lists. He's a five-time All-Ireland champion. He's won the Leinster Championship ten times a nine-time All-Star, which is huge. And he was also named Hurler of the Year on two occasions, He was nicknamed the Dodger for his ability to get by players and he had this kind of famous turn of pace that would leave a lot of players for dead. And he was one of those players that just was able to produce moments of magic. I remember in 2002, All-Ireland Final, Kilkenny were playing Clare. They were in the kind of like diamonds of the game and he picked up the ball, got away from his player. Ollie Baker, who was one of the players on the Clare team and would have been one of the best players of that generation, DJ left him for dead, Ollie Baker was flat on his face behind him. He ran over to the sideline, was balancing the hurl on the on or balancing the ball on the hurl, and he didn't even look up and just struck the ball straight over the bar and it's considered one of the greatest scorers of all time. Um, you know, he he's won many awards throughout his career. He like he started playing with the Kilkenny senior hurling team in the late nineteen eighties, up until his retirement in two thousand and five. So he is really respected as one of the best GA players of all time.
0: Henry Shefflin. What a battle he's going to have with Sean McMahon, it's starting already. Thundering forward, looking for the opening, score, it's a goal! Beautiful cross ball, Henry Shepherd got across and DJ just tapped it down into the net. What a start that is, DJ Carey with yet another championship goal and only three minutes are gone.
1: He made it seem so effortless when he was on the pitch. I mean, it was quite a, a beauty to behold watching DJ play a game of hurling. And I can tell that y- you obviously love the game because you know a lot about it, Amy. Um, but I want to talk about, I mean, he when he started hurling, he played for 10 years. And then it was kind of a shock resignation, wasn't it?
2: In some respects, yeah, like he uh, he actually initially retired from the Kilkenny senior hurling team around 1998. He was only kind of in his late 20s and people were absolutely shocked. You know, at that time, he was after setting up his business, he was kind of under a lot of pressure but that. And he announced that he was stepping down from the Kilkenny senior hurling team. He kind of cited work pressures and said, you know, his love for the game wasn't the same. And he did kind of speak out a little bit about, you know, supporters being critical of him. And he felt there was a lot of pressure on him to produce in every game. And he just didn't have that same grow for the sport. So that retirement lasted an entire six weeks. (laughs) Um, He got inundated with, I think, about 25,000 letters from supporters begging him to come back. Kilkenny management were begging him to come back because you know he was their their, their greatest player. So he he did return and true to form he came back bigger and better than ever. Um, as you said, I'm into into my sport and as a Wexford fan growing up, he was one of the team the names you actually dreaded seeing on the team sheet because you're like, oh god, he's just that player where. <laughs> He could be like so quiet for a period of the game and next time he just pop up and get a goal out of nowhere or just produce a piece of skill that would leave you with your jaw on the floor. He he was just incredible to watch, really. And obviously naturally now with the the AIB debt stuff, because of who he is and because he's such a well-known figure, it's it's drawn a lot of interest.
1: And after he left uh, Hurling, he, he got into his own different kind of business ventures.
2: Yeah, so after his six-week resignation, he went back and he didn't retire again then until 2005. Um, Now, obviously, that was kind of just before the the financial crash, but yeah, he was still running his business, uh, DJ Kerry Enterprises, and this supplied cleaning products to various businesses across the country. He also had another company called DJ Kerry Promotions, but that was kind of connected to his GA appearances, like, you know, going around giving talks at events or are kind of just promoting the GAA. Um, but G- DJ Kerry Enterprises was his main business and where a lot of his profits um, would have come from.
1: He has uh, had a, a reputation of being very, very personable as well. I mean, I think anyone who, who got to meet DJ Kerry remembers it because he would actually make an effort with you.
2: Yeah, he's anyone I know who kind of would be familiar with him, said, you know, he was just such a friendly person, always polite, very charismatic and, you know, kind of a very earnest person. And I suppose when he he spoke in radio interviews and stuff like that, like you always felt like he was kind of speaking from the heart and and stuff. And and now people are looking back on his interview in 2015 or when he spoke about his financial troubles and... And obviously now the stuff has come about, out about his debt and how it was cleared. And I suppose, yeah, he was always known as a, a nice person and someone who was very well respected on and off the field.
1: Teacher, um, this weekend we learned about the um, AIB write-down uh, for DJ Kerry uh, of 99%... Um, no more than 99%, which is an incredible figure, a jaw-dropping figure. Many people who will have experiences of mortgage distress themselves, uh, whether they be in illness um, or whether they have uh, mica homes which are mortgages on lumps of rubble, uh, or you know, whether they're small businesses will have experienced these banks telling them that it's impossible to give write-downs uh, to reduce the level of debt that they uh, owe. Um, and it is just really difficult for so many people to see what appears to be two cohorts of individuals being treated uh, differently. This is the thing that makes my blood boil, Shane. And I read your excellent reports from the courts on these various cases. And it's 10 a penny now, the number of millionaires and their massive borrowings who managed to somehow strike an excellent deal walk away with their beautiful family home and yet somebody with a 300,000 euro mortgage might not be getting any of this level of help and i just i just don't quite understand how that can happen
0: um well the person with the 300,000 euro mortgage can still get the same help as the person who owes 300 million they just need to go and look for it um So um, in uh, the cases that we're most familiar with are the ones that end up in the court. These would be people who would uh, uh, seek things. uh, There's there's one arrangement known as a personal insolvency arrangement. For example, that basically that was brought in after the last crash and it was designed to help keep people in their homes. So people with mortgage debt and look, um, you have to have uh, a certain criteria Criteria to get in under 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 that scheme, and to uh, um, uh, get those approved, uh, you need um, uh, you need to have the court on your side in that. You also need some at least some buy-in from creditors, and uh, in most cases that I have seen, uh, you need to be able to demonstrate that whatever arrangement you come up with. Uh, there is a better return for creditors than there would be in the situation of bankruptcy. That help is out there. Um, uh, anyone that goes to the Insolvency Service or MABS, um, they will be told, "Look, um, you know, you should go and get a consultation with a personal insolvency practitioner. They'll be able to tell you pretty quickly whether you can." Uh, uh, apply for one of these um, one of these arrangements and I know that quite often I tend to be writing about the bigger ones I mean we had one last year um, which was for um, 170 million other big ones I think uh, previous record set was 133 million Um, but um, if you talk to the Insolvency Service of Ireland they would say look They are the exceptions. The vast majority of cases uh, involve people uh, who owe much more modest sums and um, they are quite keen that an awareness of that is out there.
1: I think, Shane, it, there's, there is an understanding there, as you quite rightly point out, that there's, there is this this legacy, this overhang um, as a fallout of the, the economic crash in 2008 and, you know, the fact that banks had been lending people a hell of a lot of money, more than we should have got. Um, and an awful lot of us uh, said, yes, thank you very much. I'll take whatever you want to give me uh, without even realising that pr- we were potentially um, borrowing way more than we could actually pay back. But when it comes down to the family home, let's take, you know, this the, the modest little semi-detached house in a housing estate in Nace, uh, 250000 and you find yourself in difficulty and you contact the bank and then you're hounded by the bank, um, you know, over a period of time over these repayments. You're trying to get something in place, then it's sold to a vulture fund. What does that person do to get involved in the with a PIP? I mean, it's as simple as just seeking somebody out?
0: Well, yeah, yeah, go and go and just pick up the phone, contact MABS, contact the Insolvency Service. Um, there's uh, uh, they, they they will point you uh, the, in in the direction of PIPs in your area. You can choose from one of those, um, uh, and. Uh, it's all about having that conversation and seeing, well, we'll look, what's possible. Um, I know from, uh, you know, we see the affidavits filed um, by people in some of these personal insolvency cases that come before the high court. And a lot of them talk about the stress of the debt and the, the real impact that it has had on their family. And these are, look, I'm talking about in many cases these are genuine people who uh, had big ideas in 2007 and 2008 and um, they borrowed at the wrong time they borrowed large sums It, you know at a time when it seemed that the sky was the limit that nothing could uh, nothing could stop them a lot of these are to do with uh, land and property investment and so on and um, you know when the tide went out um, uh, they got caught and a lot of them have been shouldering this, these debts for over a decade now or well over a decade now and um, uh, they speak of this relief when you get into a process and somebody sits you down and explains well look here are your options now it doesn't work for everybody um, but uh, it is working for a lot of people so the first thing I think is go and get advice and um, uh, What um, has been pointed out to me on a number of occasions by people working in the industry is that the problem you have for a lot of people is that they've buried their heads in the sand. The pressure will get too much to them, the stress, and they just, they're frozen, they don't know what to do, they don't pick up that phone, they don't look for that appointment, they don't get the advice, and that's just the wrong thing to do. You need to go and you need to ask a professional.
1: Shane, you mentioned earlier uh, AIB, partly state-owned. They need to answer some questions about this, don't they?
0: I would imagine that uh, they would be reluctant to speak about a specific case. Um, uh, I know there is a bit of a clamour for them uh, to, to explain just precisely what happened here. But uh, if they did it in this instance, they probably would end up doing it in having to do it in lots of other cases uh, that we haven't even heard of. As I, as I pointed out, the Kerry uh, deal, it was done in private, but we've seen lots of other ones that have, which have been done in public in the courts. Uh, sometimes with the agreement of the lender, sometimes not. It is not in itself unusual for there to be big write-downs.
1: And my thanks to the Irish independents Amy Malloy and Shane Phelan for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself, researched by JJ Clark with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Saturday with Colm O'Mongorn, RTE News, RTE GAA, RTE Radio 1 and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, Don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.